Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. My guest for this episode is Dr. Crystal Ku. Like any business owner, CEO, dentist, practice owner, you have to try to delegate as much as you can. And anything that you can hire someone to do in your place, if, they, if that's possible, then you should. And you should focus on doing the things that only you can do. So, for example, like as a dentist, like if your assistant can take great impressions or scan, like absolutely the assistant should be doing it. The dentist should not be doing it, right? It's all about managing that time well. And then what I learned through my first maternity leave in 2020, which coincided with COVID, I was able to step away from the practice because I was on maternity leave and it was COVID and the patients were doing okay without me. I mean, certainly they asked about me and they wondered where I was, but they were all supportive of the fact that I had a, had a baby and it was, it was fine. And the associates that I hired, they loved her. So they didn't need me. She is one of the founders of Coco Floss. Maybe you've heard of it. And she's giving you, all the listeners, all of our listeners, she's giving you 50 free Coco Floss minis for free. So just go uh, to the link. It's going to be the first link in the show notes below. Click on it and you can get your 50 free Cocoa Floss Minis uh, with your first order. So go in the show notes below, check it out. Um, Listen to this full episode to see how it all came out to be. She's also a practice owner or was a practice owner and then sold it. I don't want to say too much of it, but I'll let you know some of my takeaways from this episode. Number one, look past just the dentistry you're providing and think about the real values of the patient's. Are they searching for more confidence, convenience, or preventing future problems? It's interesting. We dive deeper into that. Number two, having a fancy office will only go so far. Developing patient relationships is the real key. And we dive deeper on that. Number three, adding vibrant colors and a colorful feel to your practice is a great way to stand out from the cold, sterile environment. How many times have we heard of that? Like, right, where it's like, oh, I don't like the, the dental office because it's cold, it's sterile, it looks... De-. She gives us some great advice and insight on this. Uh, number four, as a business owner, it is imperative to delegate tasks. Don't be afraid to give responsibility to team members in your absence. And number five, make sure to find your true long-term goals and work towards them on a day-to-day basis. It's easy to get off track and lose sight of these. And she lets us know so much more. Crystal's a super awesome person, guys. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. And like I said, check out the first link in the show notes below if you want to get 50 free Cocoa Floss Minis. But without further delay, here is Dr. Crystal Koo. Crystal, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. If you don't mind me asking, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How'd you get to where you are today? Sure. So I am, well, first, I'm a dentist. And I have been a dentist for 15 years. And I kind of fell into this industry, most likely because my mom is a dentist. She's a general dentist as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm not sure which part of today or, or the future you want to talk about, but I uh, had a dental practice in San Mateo. I kind of built a scratch practice out of my mom's practice. So she kind of helped incubate me out of her one free chair that she had. And I built a practice out of that. And through working as a dentist and doing a lot of my own hygiene for the first few years in practice, I grew super frustrated with 
the state of oral hygiene as it was and the lack of compliance or motivation um, from my patients. And so then I created Cocoa Floss with my sister in 2015. And it's since been very well received among dental professionals and in the dental community and consumers alike. So my goal as a dentist and as an entrepreneur is to help people achieve teeth for life via small habits um, that they can incorporate easily. And something something small takes a couple minutes out of your day and it's something delightful and it'll help make you healthier and help you achieve teeth for life. Yeah. So why, um, well, we're going to get into the why the cocoa floss a bit right now or like part of it, but rewind a little bit. You were, you just decided to do dentistry because more like you saw your mom and you're like, I like that life or, or why? You know, it was actually pretty roundabout. That's why I'm always a little hesitant when I share that, you know, it's not so, it wasn't so simple. Like if A, then B, it wasn't that mm-hmm. my mom's a dentist. So I want to be a dentist. It wasn't at all like that. Growing up, I, I did spend a lot of time in her practice. You know, she would pick me up from school and sit me in her office and I would do my homework there. I would fill in for the front desk whenever the front desk was out sick or if she had jury duty or was on vacation, I was the front desk and I would schedule appointments with pencil and paper and I would do the patient ledgers and um, the claims. But those were fun times as a, as a young adult. And I uh, also growing up, I was a competitive pianist. So my mom being a dentist, many of her friends were dentists and they would say, you know, Crystal, you know, with your fast fingers, you should consider dentistry because those hand skills might come in handy for you in the future. And so all these like little seeds were planted for me very early on in life. And it really wasn't until college. I was a chemistry major. I knew I had an inclination towards the health sciences because I have a lot of healthcare professionals in my family. And then I just tried to explore various things. I really tried hard not to funnel straight into dentistry. And I explored various things. But I, I met a group of other women who were determined they wanted to be dentists. And they were part of a very small pre-dental society at our college, Wellesley College. And together we volunteered at elementary schools in the local, um, in suburban Boston. And we taught young children how to brush their teeth and how to care for their teeth. And I had so much fun <laughs> at this experience that, that that volunteer, those volunteering days alone were what really made me decide that, okay, I want to be a dentist. So it was the education part of it that really um, got me, the education and prevention. So that, yeah, so it was a little it was roundabout, but definitely helped that, you know, I was exposed to dentistry very early on throughout my childhood. Yeah, but it didn't become like what you wanted to do until you, until you volunteered. Exactly. Yeah. So it was the volunteering, the community stuff that really got me. Why? I care a lot about health personally. I just love how, you know, just a little bit of education and education can be free and how that can really help impact a person's life, um, you know, in a small way, but that can add up into, let's say, extra years of your life, for example. And so I just, I just had so much fun, you know, that instant reward feeling of being able to teach children how to take care of their teeth and understand about oral health. Um, It felt so good to do that. And I I, I continue to live off of that. I thrive on that feeling. So I continued on in dental school. I was president of our community service organization and I coordinated everybody's community service while I was there. And so through that, I also got to pick and choose the, the coolest community service events and so, you know, I, I thrived off of that and just really love the outreach work. I love being able to just get in and help people immediately and just being able to like fix someone up in like 20 minutes and then them like give you a big hug and like tears in their eyes and telling you that you changed their life. That's the kind of stuff that really gets me going. So, and as a dentist, I um, do some like outreach work. I like to travel to the Philippines and I work out of a pediatric clinic in a very rural town um, in Bohol in the Philippines. So all of this just, it just keeps fueling my fire and makes me continue to be really passionate about oral health and about prevention. Nice. 
So it's more like the the feeling of the empathy with the people, right? Kind of like, oh, like, you know, you feel like you can do something, right? And then you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I would say that, you know, as a dentist, my favorite, among among the things I love about dentistry, one of my favorite parts about it is just building these relationships with people and trying to understand them and understand what, what are their, what drives them, what motivates them. And then I try to help them align their goals with better oral health. And it sounds kind of like a little abstract, but I usually can make it uh, connect the dots for them because they think they have very like simple goals with regards to oral health. But when I ask a patient, well, you know, cause they might say like, oh, I just want whiter teeth or I don't want to have to spend so much on my fillings every year. Cause that's what I have to do every year. And then I'll kind of, you know, I'll make them take a step back and we'll ask them like, how about teeth for life? Would that be a good goal for you? <laughs> They're always like a little surprised. They're like, well, you for life. I never thought about that. But like, maybe you should. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you can have a little control over it with the right, with the right habit building and right intentions early on. We, we, there are things we can't control in life and there are things that we can control. And so why not implement some small changes to your day to day that would help you achieve something that shouldn't be so abstract, teeth for life. Mm. And so these are like, when you're talking to a patient about that, are those like your new patient exams? Yeah. Okay, how long are those normally for you? Um, usually at least an hour. But of course, in the beginning, my assistants are doing like with a requisite x-rays and we usually do an iTero scan and photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, but time with me is usually at least 30 minutes and sometimes it can go longer. But yes, it usually happens, like the, the most impactful conversations tend to happen in the first patient exam because that's the opportunity that you could really like dig in and ask about all their prior dental experiences and what brought them to your chair and your practice to begin with. So that also is my favorite dental appointment, the first new patient exam. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So in your practice, or I'm, I'm assuming you still have that San Mateo practice, right? Or no, no. Uh, so yes, very recently in July, I sold my practice to a, a wonderful doctor who I, I admire and I'm excited about seeing her grow and take the practice to the next level. Wow. Okay. I'm going to ask you about that right now, but real quick, when it comes to the new patient exam, when you were doing it, a lot of the times, I think we think like the more we can run through, the more efficiency, the more numbers, right? Better collections and production, things like that. In your mind, doesn't really sound like you're worried about that. You're kind of more worried about what? I'm building a connection with the patient and I'm really like establishing, building rapport and I'm trying to understand them. So I am doing my like clinical assessment and diagnosis in my head. They don't really need to hear that. They don't care. I'm trying to understand what makes them tick. Maybe my patient is like 29 years old and he's striking out on match.com. That probably doesn't even exist anymore. I'm dating myself. (laughs) But I'm like, and he's just, how can he build some confidence in his, in his personal, in in his whole being, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously as dentists, we can help with that. So again, just trying to understand what makes people tick, right? What is it that's driving this person? Is it because they're trying to, and, and it doesn't necessarily be related to oral health. Like, are they trying to achieve something in terms of like their personal fitness goals? Or are they trying to get a promotion at work? Whatever it is, like, I want to know what is the, what does this person care about most? And how can I align my recommendations with what they want? Yeah. So then what questions do you ask for that? Like, it's a complete new person. You're like, hey, what's up? Or how do you go about? doing that is it in the form beforehand and you just look at it or so I have I mean we've been a little lazy and we never made our own health history form we just used the one from the ADA Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I like to read between the lines there. Um, and, you know, the ADA form, it just has like really basic info, but it includes occupation, which is really telling also like who their um, in case of emergency person would be or like their spouse or partner. And then, of course, there's the dental history and then the medical history. And then I just ask questions beyond what was on the health history form. And I ask them to tell me more. And then I'm not asking yes or no questions. I'm actually saying like, well, tell me about this. I see here that you've circled that you have tooth sensitivity. Tell me about that. So it's not so much like, do you have tooth sensitivity? Yes or no. It's not a binary response. It's tell me about your tooth sensitivity. And then they're going to tell you a story about like, well, every time I, I make ice cream, they're going to say like, I love to make ice cream. And every time I try my ice cream, it's sensitive or whatever. Or I remember I have a patient who, uh, he does struggle with erosion, for example, but he really, really loves making beer. And that's just something that's so important to him. So for him, the decisions and the decisions we make are around like, well, how can we accommodate your passion for beer? I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking beer because mm-hmm. that's part of something that that's something you really care about. But how can we build a plan for you that would help you achieve tea for life while keeping in your love for making beer? Yeah. No, no, no. I hundred percent. I like that. How you try to connect it, you know, mm-hmm. especially like occupation, like, oh, Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? And then they're like, oh, I would love to be doing this instead. And we're like, oh, so you love doing that, right? And you get right. dig deeper. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's good. It's the conversation and the rapport that you're building, right? Like the relationship. I think that's what we kind of have to look into. it. But let's fast forward a little bit. You had a practice. Yes. So talk to me about that. Sure. So first, my mom had a practice that she built from scratch. She had a two-operatory practice an immigrant to the United States. So she didn't really have like a network. Um, English wasn't even her first language, but she built a small practice. And for the entirety of her career, she used one chair out of the two. So that's like, nobody does that anymore. First of all, nobody builds two operatory practices unless maybe like very, very specialized, but two operatory general practice. And for the entirety of her career, the second chair was basically just, it was used as like a place to hang the lead apron or a place to put the patient's purse We didn't use that chair at all. I want to say like after maybe 15 or so years, my mom switched the chairs so that at least she got a new chair on her side and the other chair, the older chair. (laughs) And then when I graduated from dental school in 2008, she didn't have any patients for me. Again, a one chair practice. It's not like a growing thing. And she, she didn't have any patients to give me. So I went and associated with another doctor in San Francisco and I worked with him, I want to say like three to four days a week to start. And it really was unglamorous. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that, you know, you would dream of. It's just, it was a very simple practice, but that doctor, he built an amazing loyal patient base and had to give him credit. Like he built these relationships and these patients were so, you know, they, they would never switch dentists, even though the patients were seeing me all the time instead of him, they were very loyal to him. And so I, I learned from there that it's not about having a fancy office at all. It's about the relationship that you build with the patient. And of course, doing good dentistry. So a couple of years after working with him and not feeling like I was the best fit there, because quite frankly, I wasn't him. He's like this tall guy and he has like a presence. And I'm like this little, little Asian 23 year old. <laughs> How old was I then? I was probably 26. And patients would look at me and think I was the assistant. So eventually I started to feel like, all right, I'm getting discouraged here. Time to go build my own patient base. So I, I thankfully had my mom's empty, dusty chair to work out of really old equipment. It was all built in 1986, but I made it into my own, my own practice. And I quickly rose to the top of, you know, Yelp search results for having really strong Yelp reviews. And again, a surprise because I was a pretty new graduate. And again, it had nothing to do with like 
my facility was mm-hmm. by no means state of New York, but it was, I, I, I do believe that it was my, you know, how much time I spent with my patients. And I had time because I didn't have any patients to start with. So why not spend extra time with the patient? And so I quickly, yeah, just built a practice out of that, just out of one chair. And then soon after that, I encouraged my mom to take some days off so I could use her chair as well. <laughs> and in 2018, I had to, well, we outgrew our practice a long time prior to this. But in 2018, I, I bought another practice for their space because they had four operatories that I could change into five. And so I built a five operatory practice and we, I moved everyone over there, my mom, myself and our whole, whole team. And in 2022, I sold my practice to my associate. Gotcha. Okay. So it came, it came up, right? Like pretty yeah, quick. Really quick. And I, I, I think we would have, we should have moved out of our two operatory space a long time ago. It's just in our town, San Mateo, there are a lot of limitations around like zoning restrictions about how you can build a dental practice. For example, in downtown San Mateo, you're not allowed to be on the ground level. They want you to like walk down the street and see like coffee shops and restaurants and like retail spaces, but no medical practices or dental practices are allowed. You have to be upstairs. And if you build a new place upstairs, you need to have an ADA compliant elevator. These buildings are like a hundred years old. Nobody has room for an ADA compliant elevator. And so it was just hard. Like I looked for a new practice space for years and I kept striking out. And that and actually this, this problem I had with like physical space and lack of chair time, I would say was a really key ingredient in my ability to create cocoa floss because as a dentist, I really should have just been busy doing dentistry. And in my growing practice, I should have been doing, I should have been so busy doing the dentistry, but because I didn't have enough chair time, I made myself busy making floss. Wow. Okay. So then were people calling and like, Hey, Dr. Ku, I want to, I want to schedule an appointment. You're like six months from now or something like that. Or exactly. It was absurd. Uh And I had patients like tell me, I'll never forget. I had this one patient um, for his first new patient exam. He told me he had been waiting for months. And after his comprehensive exam, at which time I don't typically do the first prophylaxis or periodontal maintenance, I just, I do the comprehensive exam and I schedule them for whatever follow-up care they need. Mm-hmm. Basically demanded that I do his cleaning. And I was, I was so upset. I was like, but then I also, I mean, I can't help but feel badly because he did wait months to have his appointment with me. And I, I don't know, I, I dismissed him shortly after that. I was like, this is obviously not a good fit. I don't feel comfortable like the way he... Yeah, he basically yelled at me saying I had to do his cleaning. And I, I was really upset about it. I admittedly, I, I believe I was crying as I did his cleaning. And so that was Did he see you? Did he see you cry when you were, or no? I was in my 12 o'clock position. So I, I doubt it, but I oh, was okay. really upset about it. Yeah. And so I, I dismissed him. But it's unfortunate that any patient like that, I brought him to that point, right? That I made him wait so long that he was that upset. A new patient exam, like I know that some practices will pre schedule block out time for new patients just to make sure there's always time for a new patient. And I think that's a wise thing to do if you get really busy, but for me, it wasn't possible. And I also got to the point where for treatment for some people, you know, if they needed a lot of treatment, I would say, uh, can we do this treatment at your six month week care, which is a long time to wait for treatment. When I had five operatories, if somebody needed treatment, it's like, let's go do it in the other room right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I would make it happen right now. Whereas for these, for my, in my two operatory space, Somebody needed something. We would have to wait a long time for it. So it just became ridiculous. And um, But that also made me kind of obsess over prevention. Because if I was going to tell a patient, mm, we're going to have to do your crown in six months. So what I want you to do in between, in the meantime, is I really need you to floss every day. And this is how I want you to do it. And this is why it's important. 
yeah, and so that's kind of how it became so obsessed with loss. Gotcha. Okay, that's it. So then, rewind a little bit. You said you had a strong Yelp review, right? That helped you gain the traction. How'd you, you don't mind me asking, like, how'd you build that up? Did you just ask people or? Yeah, actually, I think I did ask people in the beginning and it was a little awkward. Of course, mm-hmm. it's a little awkward to ask that question. But I started with just, you know, my patients when I first started, again, it started from no patients. So I started with just my friends and my family. So like my cousin or whatever. And, um, and then I would have them write a Yelp review for me. And I didn't tell them what to write. I wouldn't say like, oh, make sure you give me five stars or anything like that. I was like, please, can you give me an honest review on Yelp? Mm-hmm. And then I think at the time, it just, there weren't as many like places to look for reviews at the time. This was like in 2010 or so. So yeah, like the, the Yelp reviews just kept piling on and uh, the phone would ring off the hook. So I was scheduling anywhere from 30 to 50 new patients per month in my one year. All from Yelp? Basically, yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, the other, only other place to find me would be like, I don't know, maybe in the yellow pages, but who, who uses that anymore? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay, that's interesting. Let me ask you, how did it feel for you to be like, we're moving, we're moving to a bigger place, like kind of thing? It was hard. Um, but it actually like it, it kind of happened. So when I mentioned that it was really hard to find a place for years, I looked for a new place, but it wasn't until our landlord actually told us that we had to move and we didn't have a choice in the matter. They were going to evict the entire building because they wanted to redo the whole building and rent it out to a single tenant. And it wasn't going to be any of us existing tenants. That was what really did it for me. They were like pulling the rug out from beneath us. And so they gave us less than one year notice about that. And so I had to find a new practice. And again, I kept striking out. I kept looking and, and struggling with that. So I, I, there actually was a point where I thought I might just have to sell our charts. And, and maybe I wouldn't, I was like, maybe it's not going to work out. Or, um, you know, maybe we'd have to rent chairs out of a friend's practice. But what would that look like? Because we have our own team and our own philosophy. And, and it just might be kind of awkward. And that would only be an interim solution. So that was definitely hard. But thankfully, you know, my mom and I, we... It all made, it all worked out. My mom, I mentioned that she's an immigrant, so she's from the Philippines. She went to dental school in the Philippines and grew up there. And she just ran into a friend from the Philippines, <laughs> happened to have a practice in our town, and happened to it happened to be bigger. <laughs> and when my mom mentioned to her our situation, the doctor was like, "Hmm, well, maybe I should slow down, and maybe if Crystal can wait for me, I maybe I'll just sell my practice to her." <laughs> So it was kind of an, like, it was just a very lucky moment because I don't, I don't know that she necessarily had an exit plan for herself at the time. She was just enjoying dentistry and wasn't necessarily of the age to retire. But, you know, the idea of having someone like me take over her practice sounded kind of good to her. So, and it just, my mom just happened to float, I float it to her. So it worked out. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So then is it just your mom or do you? My mom. Oh, as my as works who works in our practice or no? I'm sorry. Like in your family, like oh, um, as a as a dentist. Oh, as a dentist, but I mean, like as far as like okay, you talk about your mom. I don't know if you have a dad oh, or yeah, yeah, dad too, and a sister. Who's okay. Like cool. yeah. Okay. So uh, is he a dentist too? The dad or your dad or no? No, but he's okay. definitely more of an entrepreneur. So I like to say that my sister and I are basically mashups of my parents. You know, one being an entrepreneur, the other being a dentist, and. And that's kind of like what we're made out of. Yeah, that's awesome. So then you started Coco Floss when? Uh, 2015. 
is when we launched our product, though I had been tinkering with floss ideas for years prior for lack of anything better to do with my time. I, I had two hygienists working out of the two chairs and I would just like twiddle my thumbs. Like, what can I do with myself? <laughs> <laughs> what can I do with myself? Okay, no. And so at any moment, Crystal, did you think like, I'm tired of doing dentist or like, I'm tired of being a business owner. Like, what was the moment where you were like, I don't want to do this as much as I thought I did. Uh, dentistry, you mean? Dentistry or owning the business, like as far as a practice. Oh, that's really hard. So I only finally came to the like clear decision that I needed to sell the practice. Or, like it was 20, it was last year, like in the first, in the spring of last year. And it was, it was so hard. And I still kind of like, I, yeah, I think I, I know I made the right decision because the doctor in there is wonderful, but uh, it was because my sister had a health scare and she was, mm-hmm. she's the purple floss. And she was like, Crystal, I, I can't do this if I have to go through all this health stuff. So what do you want to do about it? You got to let something go. Are we going to let Coco Floss go? Or are you going to let the dental practice go? And so, yeah, that's what happened. I was yeah. also pregnant last year. I was pregnant the entire year last year. So I had a baby. <laughs> the entire year. Yeah. yeah, I was pregnant the entire year. I had a baby on the way and busy with already juggling both businesses. And then my sister telling me that she might need to take a step back from work and I would have to take over. So I was like, I, I can't do them all well. I would love to do them all, but if I want to do them all well, that's not possible. And then the, the baby on the way was not something that you could defer or put off, like the baby's coming. So yeah. I made the decision to sell the practice. And it was a very swift thing. Um, it wasn't even enough time for us to tell the patients. Like I, I just started to tell the patients now because finally I've gotten around to sitting down and drafting a letter to explain it all to them. Um, but we did it with, you know, minimal upset to the practice, a very smooth transition. So I, I would say that I think patients don't even know, like they didn't know of the change because the team didn't change. Nothing changed about the practice. Gotcha. Why did the, I guess, Coco Floss weigh heavier? You know what I mean? Like in the, in this thing, right? Or in the pendulum, right? Why did you guys decide to go or you decide to go with Coco Floss instead of just your practice? Yeah. So I think um, it kind of, I realized that, well, like any business owner, CEO, dentist, practice owner, you have to try to delegate as much as you can. And anything that you can hire someone to do in your place, if, they, if that's possible, then you should. And you should focus on doing the things that only you can do. So for example, like as a dentist, like if your assistant can take great impressions or scan, like absolutely the assistant should be doing it. The dentist should not be doing it, right? It's all about managing that time well. And then when I learned through my first maternity leave in 2020, which coincided with COVID, I was able to step away from the practice because I was on maternity leave and it was COVID and the patients were doing okay without me. I mean, certainly they asked about me, they wondered where it was, but they were all supportive of the fact that I had a, had a baby and it was, it was fine. And the, the associates that I hired, they loved her, so they didn't need me. And so I just felt like I was able to delegate. And I mean, of course, Every doctor uh, is different and every relationship is different. So, of course, like I can't say that these their relationships replace my relationship that I have with my patient. But I, I do think that um, at Coco Floss, I'm un- uniquely positioned to help lead that business because it was my idea to begin with. And I'm the one who cares so much about oral health and prevention. So it wasn't right for me to just, if I had to abandon one, I couldn't abandon Coco Floss. Mm. Cause, yeah, because of how unique the position is, 
it's it's you you guys, you know what I mean? Like a lot of you is in it to where it's like you can't delegate that. Yes, exactly. Whereas for the my dental practice, and when I first started, my practice name was just my name, Crystal Koo DDS. But um, some years, you know, maybe around 2014 or so, I rebranded the practice to Young Dental Group because my hygiene team was taking up both of my chairs. And so um, I wanted to make sure that the name of the practice encompassed all of the providers of the practice. So it wasn't just about me anymore. It's about the whole experience for the patient and all the providers that contributed to the patient's care. The Young Dental Group, with that practice being less about me and more about the whole experience, I could take myself out and it would still be Young Dental Group. Coco Floss, my sister and I, we lead the, we lead the company. And if you take me out of it, it doesn't really make sense because my sister, she wasn't a flosser. <laughs> she doesn't care as much about oral health as I do. So yeah, I, I don't know. Basically, I, I needed to be a cocoa floss. Yeah, it has a, your perspective on it. You know what I mean? Like your whole side of it. So you kind of need to be in it. You know what I mean? So then when did cocoa floss to you become like, oh, snap, this is, guys, this is a business. Like we're, we're making stuff happen here. Like this is good. Much, or You know what I mean? Like when did it become a business? I mean, we've been growing very steadily every year. I remember, I think early on, we started out of my apartment and then out of my apartment, moved to my parents' home. There were days when I would go home during my lunch break to help help my sister like pack boxes. And I think um, one of these days, when I, one of the moments or times when I felt like, oh man, this is really business, is when I go home for my one hour lunch break and see that we have like 300 packages to, to build. Like, oh no, we're going to do this all in one hour. That was one of them. And other times I think, you know, going to dental meetings, we started very simply at dental meetings with just like a simple booth, like with a table with the tablecloth. And now we're, we've got like a double booth at larger meetings, like at CDA, we'll have like a double booth that's, and it's, it's always jam packed. We need to have like at least six people manning the booth at any given time. And there's always people standing in line and that feels kind of crazy. It feels like, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've been to CDA, but it feels like a wild bazaar. And so that, that feels, makes me feel like we have a business. What's also really exciting is next, in two weeks, we're launching at CVS. So this feels really grown up now. <laughs> Wait, you guys are going to be in CVS? Wow. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, we're like, this is, this is real. <laughs> yeah. I've always been curious, Crystal, how does that work? Like, do you just like, dear CVS, or what do you do? Well, I would imagine that that's how you could do it. Though for all of our wholesale partnerships to date, including CVS, they've all been... Obtained via like inbound requests from the buyers at these companies. So we've been triggered at Anthropology for many years, and it's because the, the buyer asked to have us there. And CVS, likewise, the buyer is a personal fan of Coco Floss, and she really, really, really wanted our product in their oral care aisle. So that's how it happened. Man, where was the moments where you were super like? Like where you're like, yeah, this is it. This is part of, I guess, being an entrepreneur where it's insanely stressful. Oh, I feel that all the time. Um, <laughs> my sister and I were always like schlepping things around. The number of like boxes we've had to carry and random things we've had to do. I, it just, it's kind of funny, um, but I've kind of brought my family along on the ride for it. So yeah, it's it just, I feel it every day and it's it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a different type of stress than owning a practice or like, is it the same? Or do you feel like it's the same? Like, guys, this is the same thing. I have to manage employees and manage employees over here or no, it's completely different. It feels a little different. So in the practice, it feels, I love how the practice feels so tight knit. I mean, you see these people more than you see your own family. It's the same people, like your team is there with you every day. At Coco Floss, um, we're all remote. So we don't get to like physically be with each other. Like 
can't really hug each other, for example. And so when we do see each other, it, it's really exciting. But it's all like I'm on my computer all day. It's a very different type of work. And also the size of the business and the size of the team. Uh, Cocoa Falls, they have about 30 employees now. The dental practice, it's always been around like 10 to 12. So a larger team at Cocoa Floss. The nice thing is that for both, I, mean, I still have as a dentist, they're both in pursuit of the same goal as just helping people achieve teeth for life. Mm-hmm. So then break it down for us, especially for the ones who are like Cocoa Floss, right? Or I've heard of it, like Cocoa Floss. What is that? What is Cocoa Floss? It's a woven dental floss and it's infused with coconut oil and it comes in a bunch of fun fragrances. We always have it in uh, coconut, strawberry, orange, and mint. And throughout the year, we have seasonal limited edition fragrances. Like here, we have watermelon and we have uh, chocolate here. And uh, I think there might be, well, you don't see it in this picture, but we have like passion fruit or pineapple. So just trying to make flossing delightful and fun, trying to turn a chore into a treat and make flossing something that you look forward to and that you want to do. Okay. And so you guys, I know in some pediatric practices that we work with, like Cocoa Floss is in there. Is there like a specific different price for practices compared to like somebody from CVS getting it? Yeah. So we do have a dental sales program where we are selling direct to dentists. They get to order this size, this small size. It's like an eight yard and it's like about a two week supply. And usually dentists are putting that into their hygiene goodie bags. And we also have the 33-yard size, which is what people can buy at Anthropology or at CVS. And practices are buying that at about half price. And then they resell it to their patient for retail price. And then also we have like a large school that's like a professional size that clinicians are using chair side. And they use it in their procedures for all the perio procedures and also even restorative procedures. Okay. So it's available for them. Yeah, it's available for them. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So I guess like, how can this, because I remember when I was working in a couple of practices, like water picks was like coming up and it was like, this is it, right? Is that something where you're like, okay, this is our, not competition, but like, how does that work differently? Well, I mean, I, I think water picks are great. I don't have anything against water pick at all, but I don't believe that they're a true replacement for flossing. I think it's a great adjunct. Unfortunately, I've had some patients say that they were water picking exclusively and not flossing. And I've seen recurrent caries around usually like multi-unit restorations, like bridges or even interproximal caries. And so, I don't know. I, I just don't know that the water pick can always get underneath rest- restorations or in between teeth in the same way that floss can physically debride those areas. Mm. So I'm not, yeah, not a replacement, but water pick's a great adjunct. Yeah. Cause we were water picking me and my wife for like a really, I still do it, but yeah. she's the one who's like, I'm going to floss too, because I'm, you know what I mean? And so I was like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know, double clean, I guess. But I didn't know that until you just told me right now. So yeah, I mean, that of course, carries doesn't afflict every patient, but I've seen it enough times where I can't tell a patient, I can't do it like consciously, you know, I like to tell a patient, they, oh yeah, you can just water pick. I, I won't, I can't feel good about it because I've seen the carries that people get still with using water pick. Gotcha. What have you seen? with people using Cocoa Floss with their marketing, like dental practices, how have they used it in a, like a unique way or a different way that, you know, maybe like brings better brand awareness or even attracts new patients, things like that? Yeah. So I've seen a lot of practices use Cocoa Floss as one, as a way to draw patients to the practice. For example, I've seen patients, uh, practices offer, let's say like a Yelp check-in reward, check-in on Yelp and get a Cocoa Floss. 
So and it incentivizes people to check in on Yelp. And, and usually these people who check in on Yelp eventually write a review, which as we mentioned, is can be really impactful for growing a business or growing a practice. I also see practices using Coco Floss to display in their, the front desk. The, the display that we have, it's like a jar and it's the colors of Coco Floss are candy-like. So that feeling of delight that you have, like walking into a candy shop or like walking into a florist where there's like this explosion of color. Like why not have that in the dental office? Because dental offices are typically thought of as like sterile, cold and fear inducing places. So when a patient walks into a practice and they're like, oh, well, that's kind of a nice surprise. Like it's an uplifting type of color to see. It kind of, it helps ease anxiety and helps kind of make the patient a little happier. So the um, practices will have the Coco Floss in the front desk area and they'll be selling it. And then in the back um, in the chair side, when a patient is flossed with cocoa floss, it feels so different. And usually patients are just like, what is that? Because unlike a slippery floss, like a like the Teflon types of floss, and that are so slippery and thin, and that they actually kind of can hurt sometimes when you floss mm-hmm. yeah. your gums and they make your gums bleed. Cocoa floss is it's thicker and it feels much more substantial and it's scrubbier. So your hygienist, your dentist will floss with it. And it's like, whoa, what is that? Because your teeth feel so clean instantly. And it also smells good because plaque smells disgusting. And then like, you have this like waft of like sweet strawberries and the patient's like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That it makes a difference. And then again, with the hygiene bags, the patient is sent home with a cocoa brush and a cocoa floss. It really tells the patient like, wow, this, this practice really cares about using the best quality materials. They're giving me this amazing product. So it speaks volumes about the values of the practice. And then it, it becomes like a, a, another reason for the patients to talk about it with their friends and family and refer more patients to the practice. Hmm. Do you guys help the practice, I guess, like the back office or anything? Like when they order Coco Plus, do you guys help them with that? Like maybe the rep or anything? Yeah. Yeah, we do have a little sales team. And um, we obviously like really want to help help practices become successful with cocoa floss. So mm-hmm. we are doing everything we can to handhold as much as we need to um, handhold practices through making it successful in their practice. Man, it's cool. How, uh, Crystal, like throughout this conversation, you can still see like the, when you were younger and you're like the volunteering kind of thing where you're just like, I just want to help people out kind of thing. Right. That's it. Still today. Like you're just like, I just want to help people out. Like I want to hold their hand and yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you one of the last questions throughout this process, I guess, from the moment you decided to own a practice mm-hmm. to today, what's been some of your biggest struggles or fails or pitfalls? Well, for the longest time, I mean, certainly time management is something that I had, I've had to get really good at, but I've also struggled with the feeling of guilt because when I was working at the dental practice, I'd feel guilty about cocoa floss. Or if I'm working at cocoa floss, I feel guilty about the dental practice. Or for either of them, if I'm working more than more than I should be, then I'm guilty about not spending time with my family. So that's something that I struggle with. I'm getting better about it. And it's super helpful that I have a very supportive family. And we just do everything together. Like, for example, I mentioned like schlepping boxes everywhere. Like my kids at this point have come with me to dental meetings and they're they're with me on these rides where we have like the whole minivan filled with boxes. So that's, but yeah, guilt has been something that I've, I've struggled with, but I, I think that this is all just a part of who I am and I'm always working on it. Yeah. How are you working? Like, I know like right now you let go of the practice, but I, you know, a lot of people do, I guess, talk about, especially parents like mom guilt, right? I guess, how are you working on that? Like, what advice can you give us for that? Advice. So I just focus on what are my personal 
for myself and what are the things that I care about and my passions. And, and I just make sure that all of the things that I'm doing in my day-to-day align towards that goal. The good thing is that despite letting go of my practice, I do feel like my, you know, my professional goal in life is to help people achieve cheaper life. And so I, I believe that I'm just continuing to do that. So I don't have to feel so guilty about letting the practice go because it doesn't have, again, as I mentioned, it doesn't have to be me going in and, and treating all these new patients. Like I have other doctors who could do that. And here I'm leading this brand growth and hopefully, hopefully inspiring even more people to um, take better care of their teeth. So just focusing on the goals, like what are your, and then that's really hard. And it's something that you probably, I think people should at least revisit at least annually. And just think about like, what is it that you're passionate about? And what are the goal, your goals? And then how can you align all of your daily actions and how you spend your time towards those goals? Mm. Have you ever caught yourself like it's changing constantly? Like maybe not constantly, but like pivoting. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then you feel like what you've done in the past, you're like, I guess that was, some of it was pointless, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Or because my goal pivoted. Has that ever happened to you? Um, I try not to have too many regrets. But I will say I have a lot of FOMO, a lot of FOMO. I mean, I actually really love clinical dentistry. I had so much fun being able to transform health and transform, you know, my patients in terms of like confidence. I love Invisalign, for example. I became totally obsessed with Invisalign. And I miss that. I miss that time with my patients and being able to like really make an impact in their lives. So there's my FOMO and I I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. The, the practice sale was very recent. I don't know yet if I'm going to own another practice in the future or if I'll, you know, when I'm going to start working again in clinical dentistry. My baby is very young and so it doesn't make sense at this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Awesome. Crystal, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Of course. So I love it if you would follow us on Instagram. Our handle is getcocofloss. Our website for all of your patients is cocofloss.com. And for dental professionals, you can find us at cocoflosspro.com. And if you'd ever want to reach out to us, you can just email us at help at cocofloss.com. Awesome. So guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. So definitely check it out. And Crystal, thank you for being with us. It's been a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Crystal. We truly appreciate you being open and letting us know about your whole journey. Really, really insightful and a lot of great advice. So thank you so much. Guys, if you want to talk to her, go in the show notes below. Reach out to her on any of her links that she's provided there. Or you can join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. And we can talk about this episode or any other episode that you've heard in the past in that Facebook group. And at the same time, I'm also going to post it there. But I'm going to let you know again that uh, she's giving you, Dr. Crystal Koo is giving you 50 free Cocoa Floss Minis, 100% for free with your first order. So go in the show notes below, click the first link there, and go get yourself some free Cocoa Floss Minis. So thank you so much, Crystal, for doing that for us. And guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I truly appreciate it. And for the quote, now this is from the book, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. And the quote is, Desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Hmm. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.